Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Progressive American. I'm your host, Connor Kelly, back with another morning podcast about the week's news from a progressive perspective. It is Saturday, January 27th, and we have an interesting episode for you all today with the minimum wage up in the air, the Equality Act passing in the House, a declassified report on Saudi Arabia, and a possible new vaccine incoming. Without further ado, let's jump into it. In legislative news, the democratically controlled House passed the Equality Act on Thursday, setting the path for a massive shift in civil rights legislation. The act, which had been passed in 2019 but was blocked by the then-McConnell-controlled Senate, would expand civil rights protections in housing, employment, credit, and jury services to LGBTQ people. The Human Rights Campaign has hailed the House's passage as, quote, a major milestone for equality, bringing us closer to ensuring that every person is treated equally under the law, end quote. In Virginia, State Delegate Danica Rahm, one of the first openly transgender elected officials in America, heavily emphasized the importance of the act, saying, quote, The Equality Act is constituent service. Pass it, end quote. However, the act faces an uphill battle. Some religious groups have strongly opposed the act, and Democrats would need 10 Republican votes to support it. Without Joe Manchin voting to abolish the filibuster, Democrats still need to appeal to Republicans in order to pass the act. The Freedom Caucus, a regular display of right-wing activism, has come out against it, arguing that it is an attack on Judeo-Christian values. I doubt Democrats will successfully pass this law, but they should fight for it anyway. Ten Republicans is a high bar to reach, but backing down now means letting Republicans dictate the civil rights of LGBTQ people for years onward. Imagine if you were trying to get an apartment, and you fit all the requirements that the landlord set only for you to be denied because the landlord does not like who you are dating. Or better yet, they religiously believe you should not date them at all. The Freedom Caucus's argument that this law would violate religious liberty fails to explain where that liberty stops. Can a Catholic deny service to a Protestant for reading the King James Bible? Or should a Catholic be able to deny access to housing on the basis of their opposition to Islam? If you aren't willing to allow someone to subject you to such scrutiny on the basis of your religion, you should not be willing to accept it on the basis of sexuality either. And the effects of such discrimination are far from negligible. A 2017 survey conducted by the Harvard School of Public Health found that 22% of LGBTQ people in the United States have been discriminated against when trying to buy or rent a home. These protections are also popular. In fact, 8 in 10 Americans support such protections for LGBTQ people, according to the Public Religion Research Institute. 21 states have already passed laws doing similar things to protect the civil rights of these people. In 31 states, LGBTQ people can legally be denied education without this act. If Democrats want to be the champions of human rights, they need to fight hard for a victory here, even if a loss is likely. Democrats should hammer home the idea that every single one of us is entitled to equality before the law. And if Republicans want to get in the way of it, let them. Let them spout off about religious liberty across the board, and every time they do so, remind them that they will be letting landlords deny people basic housing simply because of their sexuality or gender identity. Remind the voters who will fight for their sons and daughters when it comes to the basic needs of society. Remind them that the fight here is not abstract. It affects everyday people. Show everyday LGBTQ people on edge. Show the humanity of it all. If the Republicans want to sink the Equality Act, then by all means, Democrats should sink a few Republicans in retribution. Democrats should not back down from this fight no matter what. They need to keep pushing society forward, no matter how difficult it may be. Whatever happens, one thing is for certain. There can be no more hesitation or equivocation on this. If the Equality Act is not passed now, then it will have to be passed eventually. 
All that is left is to keep pushing, no matter what. In other legislative news, Biden's minimum wage package took a hit on Thursday when the Senate parliamentarian Elizabeth McDonough decided that the minimum wage raise cannot be passed by budget reconciliation. Though purely advisory, this decision puts Democrats in a difficult position. Vice President Kamala Harris could overrule the decision, but that rarely has happened. And even with the possibility of Harris overruling it and bringing it through reconciliation, there is no guarantee that it will be sufficient to pass the minimum wage and could risk the entire stimulus package. Though it would not be the first time that someone has advocated for this move. In 2017, Senator Ted Cruz called on then-Vice President Mike Pence to ignore the advice of the Senate parliamentarian for their goals. The opposition to the minimum wage hike has also come from within the Democratic Party. Senator Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, has said that he will not support abolishing the filibuster or passing a $15 minimum wage. Instead, he has argued for an $11 minimum wage, significantly lower than what Biden proposed. Progressive advocates such as Representative Jaya Paul of Washington have called for the minimum wage to be included in the stimulus package anyway. Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota tweeted, quote, Abolish the filibuster, replace the parliamentarian. What's a Democratic majority if we can't pass our priority bills? Unquote. However, the White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, released a statement saying, quote, We are going to honor the rules of the Senate and work within the system to get this bill passed. Unquote. This is far from ideal for me, and the fact that Senator Manchin keeps blocking every major proposal that the Democrats promised in 2020 is beyond unacceptable. No one man should be able to restrain the will of the people, and progressives need to keep pushing. However, we can't risk the entire stimulus bill, so what I would suggest, if I were in charge of this, which obviously I am not, is that Democrats should strip the minimum wage hike, or at the very least, lower the proposed hike, and then prepare to primary Senator Manchin. If Democrats can't get through with its promises, then they have no right to ask the American people to vote for them. They need to be able to take bold, strong steps to improve our system, and every time that Senator Manchin gets in the way, he plays the role of an obstructionist that only harms the Democratic cause. Deal with him now, but don't pretend he's doing anything good for you. It's bad enough that we have to have 50 Republicans in the Senate, but it's even worse that when one of our own party members refuses to help out on serious issues, that we can't even get him to come along with us on slightly the simplest of things. We can't advocate with one arm behind our back while trying to fight an increasingly radical element within the Republican Party. It's just untenable. In addition to the complications related to his domestic agenda, Biden now has to deal with a recently declassified report from 2018 that shows that Mohammed bin Salman, the crowned prince of Saudi Arabia, ordered the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, a Washington Post columnist and American resident. The report, though only four pages long, is a damning sign of the Saudi regime's cruelty to its opposition. Mind you, as I mentioned earlier, Khashoggi was a legal resident in the United States under the United States' protection. The Saudi government's decision to kill him in their embassy is not only an act of inhumanity, it is an act against the United States. Even now, the Biden administration is seeking to maintain the status quo by pretending to be tough on the Saudis. He's refusing to speak to the crown prince, instead trying to speak with the king but the elderly king is not going to be in power for long. It'll only be a matter of time before Biden will have to stop playing around with the Saudis if he's serious about holding them accountable for their human rights abuses. Before long, the crown prince who is guilty of murder will become the crowned king. 
I won't pretend that this noxious relationship between the United States and the Saudis will end today, but it most definitely should. Biden is trying to show some degree of strength to his credit. He's enacted sanctions against former intelligence officials from the Saudi government, but this is inadequate. The main source of the issue, the crown prince, remains untouched, and for too long the Saudi government has become a burden on the world. And I would not shed a single tear if the Saudi government were to collapse tomorrow if it were not for the inevitable harm that would be done to the global economy and to the world more generally. That said, the United States needs to start playing a stronger hand with the Saudis. If the Saudi monarchy wants to keep this up, Biden should do everything in his power to make them pay for it. I don't know what that will look like admittedly, but something has to change. You can't promise a shift in policy called Saudi Arabia a rogue state and then not hold them accountable when they literally kill one of our own columnists and then t cut them up with the bone saw for God's sake. There has to be a line drawn regardless of how diplomatic you are as a president. Dignity matters, especially in foreign policy. In a bit of lighter news for your Saturday morning, it appears the United States will likely be seeing a third vaccine in the coming months, as a panel of experts within the FDA has given the green light to Johnson & Johnson's vaccine, as reported by the New York Times on Friday. The vaccine, which has been awaiting approval for a while now, is reported to be about 72% effective against COVID-19 in American conditions compared to Pfizer and Moderna's vaccines which are roughly 95% effective. It was shown to be effective against severe forms of COVID-19 86% of the time in the United States. Studies done to confirm its effectiveness spanned over three continents and 45,000 people. The vaccine itself is also a single-dose shot, making it a one-and-done vaccine. In short, you don't have to produce as much vaccine to vaccinate as many people, making it very convenient for public health officials. Studies are still being conducted on the nature of a possible second dose as a booster shot, but we will have to wait and see. Still, with new cases and deaths declining, it is as good a time as any to begin increasing the rate at which we vaccinate our population and granting more access to the American people so that we can save as many lives as is humanly possible. Currently, we are prioritizing the elderly and first responders, meaning that the most vulnerable and those on the front lines are the ones getting vaccinated. But hopefully, with the third vaccine, more and more people outside of those groups will also be vaccinated, limiting the spread of this deadly pandemic. That said, if you are 65 years or older and have not yet received the vaccine and have no medical reason not to receive the vaccine, you should do so as soon as possible. The sooner we can protect the most vulnerable in our communities, the better, and it is your duty, just as much as it is my duty to wear a mask, to get vaccinated to protect yourself from this horrid pandemic. One day, I hope, that we will be able to enjoy the old benefits of our old life. But we should never forget this pandemic and the importance of vaccination and the role it has played in saving so many lives and will continue to save many lives in the future. Please get vaccinated. It's not just a matter of your health alone anymore. With a pandemic like this, it's quite literally an element of life and death. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for listening. Thank you.